Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what I believe is the 98th episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. I will be your host this evening, along with my compatriots on the intrepid Hawk Blogger and Real Talk crew. We've got Evan Hill at Evan in SDA, although he is something else right now, I believe. How you doing? Nope. Always been Evan Hill. Never changed my name, my avatar, or anything like that. Very okay. consistent. All right. Good to know. Um, uh, we also have uh, Nathan Ernst at NathanE11 on Twitter, our steadying force. How are you, Nathan? Doing well. Good. Good. And uh, finally, and certainly not least, is, is Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, our verified former reporter who can tell us all about what he thinks about the reporting that's been going on so far today. How are you, Jeff? It's been a long day. I don't think I spend this much time on Twitter in any single day in the past maybe three years. So it's nice to be able to just like talk to people, talk to some humans right now. <laughs> yeah. And we will, I believe, be joined by Dana O'Gorman a little bit later um, when she has a chance. Um, and welcome to everyone that's in the chat. Good seeing you. Uh, now's a perfect time to hit, click subscribe, click the little bell icon uh, up there. That will get you notified when we go live. And as you can tell, we don't always stay exactly with the time frames that we think we're going to go live on. So it's good, especially with all this breaking news, to have a notification when we're going to go live and talk about what's going on. Uh, plenty to get through today. Um, uh, before we do, one other thing I will encourage, if you haven't already, we've had a lot of new folks joining over at pa uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, proceeds go to great causes. We've donated over $170,000 to charity 
since we started. And uh, bonuses you get into our Slack channel. Um, you get to harass us, especially Evan, whenever you'd like. Um, and uh, there's been some good conversations going on in there. So, so please uh, join up. We have some pretty cool guests, I think, coming next week. I'm just going to tease for now because it's not all confirmed, but we've got some good, good stuff. Um, you don't want to give a hint beyond that? like Nope. 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 No hints. Okay. Not, not until we're a little more finalized. I, unlike some of the reporting that's gone on today, <laughs> I like things to be at least confirmed before I report them that way. Let me start there. Let me start there. So some guy, I don't know his name, and I'm not even going to like troll him by, by giving out his handle, but he was a Saints non-verified uh, I think he worked for the Who Dat Dish, like SB Nation kind of blog. And his, his, his account literally says, not verified in Twitter, but verified in real life. And he was out chest puffed up two or three days ago saying, the Saints are finalizing a deal with Clowney. Uh, you know, my source is talking directly with the player. That's why I'm so confident in this reporting and that was clearly not true like or at least misunderstood and this is just a classic case of especially halfway reporters let alone valid reporters that they get they, they get a sliver of information and they turn it into something more than it is and so here we are folks trying to figure out what's going on with Javian Clowney. It's overshadowing, I think, everything else that's going on with the Seahawks right now, at least in my mind. And I'm just this side of under control uh, about this topic. So I, I really do need to bring the rest of the, the guys in here to talk about this because uh, I might just lose my temper. Um, so um, Evan, you are the person who is is most calm, cool, and collected whenever a, a topic comes up. So um why don't we trade places here? You know, I'll be the crazy one. And and you tell me, like, where, where are you at with what's going on here with Jadavian Clowney? Yeah, but like before we even do that, let's let's backtrack and start with what we know, because this sort of there's a little bit of a weird situation going on right now. So is it Deanna, Dion? How do you say her name? Diana Rossi Rossini? Rossini. Yeah, I can't even say her name. I don't even know what her name is. ESPN reporter. Um Jeff, uh, I don't know if you're willing to say this on the show publicly, but you had mentioned like she has had some consistency issues in the past. So I'm, I'm not sure how um, I, 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 I'm not sure how reliable her words are in regards to this report. I don't think she's making things up, but yeah. we did have Josina Anderson like directly contradict the report that he was signing with the Titans like in real time. And Josina, as we all know, is like very close with players, like a lot of them. Um, she's friends with a lot of them, and she's typically right. Uh, Josina has gone silent in the past hour and a half. So I don't know what that means, but um, Diana has doubled down on her report. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw her follow-up tweet. She said that Clowney has been texting Titans players, looking forward to to getting started. But um, yeah, I, it's... Uh, it's mind-numbingly frustrating. Like when when I saw the report from Diana, like like we knew this was a potential possibility, obviously, but the 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 Pro Football Talk report that this is a a one-year, twelve million dollar deal is beyond stupid. Like I I don't I don't even 
I can't even produce words out of my mouth because I'm at a loss for words. If the, if that's accurate, if it's a one year, $12 million deal, it's, it's mind blowingly stupid for how this team navigated this situation, their defensive line, you know, pass rush interior pass rush. This entire off season has been a complete disaster. So um, I've calmed down over it in the past hour and a half, but Brian, I want to, I want to hear more from you <laughs> in terms of how you heard about it and Tell me your reaction that you were telling me uh, offline before the show. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like this is just, this is built up for, for so many months. Like this was the number one priority for the Seahawks and free agency. Like without a doubt, this was the guy that they had to have back. And, and then he didn't sign and we kept waiting and we had, um, in our Real Hawk Talk channel, our chat, and uh, I'll welcome in Dana O'Gorman uh, at Dana OG on Twitter. Um, you know, in our Real Hawk Talk chat, like there was a lot of hand wringing, like, oh my gosh, they're not doing what they need to about the pass rush and they're not signing guys and what's going on. And I kept saying, you know, be patient. There's a lot, there's so many options in free agency. There's so many options they could trade for. Like there's so many options. They'll figure it out. They've got a plan. And it went on and on and on all of those things went through we got to everson griffin signing for like five bucks and a can of coke <laughs> and 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 that went on and Bounty's still out there and then you see that he's you know oh he's probably going to the saints or he's going to the titans but maybe not and maybe the whole time he would really want to go for the seahawks and he was just leveraging all these the seahawks with these other teams and i was out golfing and i get a text from from evan and I was playing behind a fivesome. Anyone who's played behind a fivesome is it's uh, fivesome. A fivesome, and they when they got on the, <laughs> the green, when they got on the green, they were the fivesome that literally they would place the ball. Everyone else would mark and pick up. Then they'd hit to the next closest. They would all pick up and put the next. It took between five and ten minutes for them to get off the green every hole for eighteen holes, and so this broke at like hole fourteen. And I was already like kind of on the edge of frustration. I was having to wait to take my next shot. I get that text and then I shank my shot and I'm out there with my son and one of his friends. And I just, I took my club and I buried it like two inches into the, into the, my heaven. I did. I was so angry. I I was so angry. And I just, I I honestly haven't, I mean, I'm less, I'm less like on the edge angry, but I am still just boiling. Like I just, it is completely asinine that this team, what I believe has happened guys. I believe that if he signs for 12 million, I think the number for the Seahawks wasn't 12 or 10. I think they were probably at eight Eight. or seven Mm -hmm. or something like where we're like, are you kidding? Like he was never going to sign for that. And if the difference between the Seahawks being an odds on like, having a higher, clearly higher probability chance of being a contender by spending $4 million more, $4 million or not doing it. It is inexcusable. There is no excuse. And if John Schneider is going to hide behind, we need to keep some, uh, keep some uh, powder dry for the season so we can make moves. This is the freaking move. Like, don't wait. Like, this is the Brian, move. I, I got to layer in here because people are talking about it in the chat. I have to clarify something. So the Seahawks right now, from a cap perspective, have between like nine and nine and a half million dollars in true cap space. After you count for practice squad, 
IR, uh, 53-man full roster. Like, they are sitting at, you know, very close to that $12 million threshold. They could easily open up another four to six mil within seconds by just releasing a couple of RFA RFA tendered guys. Well, they already they could, re- renegotiated it, with more, exactly. so they probably mm-hmm. have at least a million more than they did mm-hmm. before. Exactly. Guess. So, so I just want to be clear about something here. This is not a money issue. The Seahawks have the money. They're just not choosing to offer. They're not the willing full to extent do it. Of what they're, exactly. It, but it, doesn't like, that tell you guys something? That tells you something. And we have heard rumors about Clowney for a long time. And I want to apologize, everyone watching. I'm literally in the middle of Colorado on a mountain in a cabin. So that's why it's so dark. I'm so sorry. But it, that should tell you something. That should tell you that there's another reason that they weren't going to spend that cash. I mean, there had to have been a reason. And we had heard rumors. He wasn't a super hard worker. He wasn't into, you know, he wasn't buying in to, you know, that's what they like. There's a lot of things out there about him. And I said this to her, which I remember saying out loud, I am so sick of clowny watch as much as I was of LeBron watch 10 years ago. Like just pick a team and shut the hell up already. Like seriously, I'm over With it. you there. But yeah. the thing of it is, is I really don't think one person, it's not going to be this guy that gets this team to the Super Bowl. It's not. I know everyone has like their heart set on clowny, but I just never did. I just didn't care that much. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I really felt like, no. and, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I I value what they did on the rotational side, like with Benson Mayo, uh, Bruce Irvin. I think those mm-hmm. are good sort of supplementary signings. I've mm-hmm. come around on those signings, actually. Okay, good, uh, good. Like I've changed my mind significantly Thank in the past God. couple of months. Good. Yeah, no, no, I have. Like maturity and growth. I'm, I'm being open here. <laughs> okay, but it still feels like they're missing that number one guy. No and doubt. And, and here's that's the, clowny. It could be clowny. Thing, like it Jeff could be. It doesn't and, have to be. Jeff and Nathan want to get you in there, but but like yeah. here's here's the flaw I see in in your in what you're saying, Dana, because I, I understand your points about mm-hmm. has a reservation about clowny, but the Seahawks were gonna spend a lot more than eight on him, and then they decided that they were gonna you know be, they couldn't wait any longer, and they started putting their money elsewhere. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that they weren't willing to bring him back or spend money. But what's happened is now they've decided for whatever principled reason based on how they manage their cap that they weren't going to go above a number. To me, that's an ego thing. That is not uh, – the player's not worth the money. They have simply decided they're, they didn't want to wait and they wanted to go another direction. So uh, anyway, I've talked a lot. Jeff, I see you wanting to get in. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, consistently through the offseason when this has come up, especially after like the first couple waves when – Brian mentioned earlier the people freaking out in the chat. I'm usually pretty calm in the show. In the chat, I'm much more emotional and angry. Um, I was one of the people really mad about how they handled the defensive end spot. I thought they had so many opportunities there. And the whole offseason, I've been saying that really it's okay if you don't want to sign Clowney, but you need to have a backup plan. And they didn't really have one at the primary spot. They're still five, starting five technique. Looks like Rasheem Green right now. And Everson Griffin, okay, if you say, okay, we don't want Clowney, and for the reasons Dana mentioned, that makes sense, but then you I let mean, Everson maybe. Griffin walk for six that million me bucks. Off too. Yeah. That, that's the one that set me off, mm-hmm. because if you don't have him and you don't have a backup plan, they were left with nothing. And we were all terrified that Clay Matthews was going to be the fallback. And on top of all this stuff, Daryl Taylor, their highest pick at the position, isn't ready to play. He's out six weeks. 
So you take Clowney out, you take Taylor out. Looking at this defensive line on paper, it's scary. It's, it's really bad on paper. Just they don't have that A guy. And it's just hard. To, I've been saying this in our chat for a while. I just don't understand the Seahawks, like their side of the story. Because if you don't want Clowney, then why are you hanging around this negotiation? Like Ryan just Fair. said, what are you doing? But they're not valuing, they're valuing him in such a low number. They know he's not going to take it. So it's, I just mm-hmm. can't wrap my head. And I'm usually pretty rational. I usually understand where they're coming from. This one just doesn't compute with me. I That's the thing. It. They're looking to get him at a deal as opposed to not being interested in the player. And it's like, this isn't bargain shopping. It's a number one pass rusher for the team. And Nathan, let's, let's get you in here. Uh, you're sitting here just thinking like all these people so emotional. Don't they see the clear national <laughs> explanation of why, what, what, how are you reacting to all this? Uh, I'm still processing. I mean, I have, I don't know. I, why did they trade for him if they weren't going to pay him? Like, Jadavian Clowney is no different today than he was a year ago when they traded him. Like, to the date, right? Like, the work ethic stuff, that was always there with him. The injuries, that was always there with him. The, you know, uh, dispro- like the seemingly disproportionate sack totals where, you know, he's a, he is a good pressure rusher but doesn't always translate those into, like, a, a, a huge sack number. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. So why did you give a third-round pick... I have and an idea. Martin. <laughs> I have to just layer in one thing really quick. I know. We're, we're past the comp pick deadline, guys. So we don't oh even my get God. A, we don't even get a comp pick if he signs with the Titans. Yeah. I, had <laughs> I just a, had to I layer had, that in. I'm sorry. I had more than a couple people in my mentions when I was when I was because I compared this to the, the Sheldon Richardson trade when it happened. And I said if if, if they let him walk, this is almost as bad or as bad as the Richardson trade. And a lot of people lost their mind on that. And like in the end, there's a ton of like, like it looks very similar. Like Sheldon Richardson disappointed in terms of sacks, but had a pressure rate. Like he was the guy they thought he was. He appeared, he left for a one year deal that was lower than what anyone thought he would probably get. Well, let's, let's recap that for a second. Wait, no, I have an idea. Can I say something before we get off on Sheldon Richardson? So that, that is where I think maybe the Seahawks' ego comes in. You're right. He's not a different player than he was when they traded for him. He did have work ethic issues. He did have all these issues. I think where the Seahawks' ego came in is that maybe Pete, because he's done it before, thought he could change that, bring out the better player, bring out – you know what I mean? That's where the ego – and after a year of him, they said, nope, he's still the same dude. Maybe they just decided he wasn't – unless they could get him for a steal. But they, they didn't feel – that they were willing to put up with whatever issues and God knows it could be just all BS from, you know, fans who knows, but at the same time, maybe that's where that ego comes in is they thought they could make him a better player, turn him into a more, you know, excited, you know, they always like him when they're excited, you know, player, and maybe they couldn't. And that's like, well, we'll give you 8 million bucks, but that's all you're worth to us. But we don't know those numbers yet. So we don't know that. We don't, we don't. I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess the point I was going to make there is, Let's recap the Seahawks' big trades. You've got Percy Harvin. You've got Jimmy Graham. You've got Sheldon Richardson. Dwayne Brown. You've got Dwayne Brown. Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams and Jadavian Clowney. Those are the ones that are coming up in my mind. 
of all of those, how many of them have the Seahawks kept past their contract that they had when they when they were acquired? Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown. Dwayne. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown. So that's a pretty damning track record because none of those trades were cheap. And if you're going to continually make a move where you bring in an expensive player at an expensive cost, and you are not going to retain that player, either because they don't prove out to be the player you were hoping they were going to be, or because you're not able to sign them. That's like, that's blatant mismanagement of your roster and your cap and your draft picks. If we're a year from now, and they don't sign Jamal Adams because they're trying to get some kind of special deal with Jamal Adams. I don't want to hear a word about like, he just wasn't the guy they thought he was like, they yeah, don't have traded multiple first round picks for him in the first place. Yeah. I think he's a different caliber player though. I mean, we're, you can't compare, compare Jamal Adams to Jimmy Graham. It just is not going to happen. Oh, it's not the same. I, I think we might be misremembering who Jimmy Graham was when they traded for him. I mean, that dude oh, was, I never uh, liked that trade. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I wanted that's to fine, but like Jimmy time. Graham was one of oh, the bro. most dominant skill position players in the league when they yeah. traded for him. Right? I mean, you can think whatever you want about his fit on this team and whatever, but like that dude was an absolute beast. And uh, yeah, so comparing him to Jimmy Graham, I mean, maybe Clowney's, maybe Clowney's not quite in Adam's league or whatever. I mean, Percy Harvin probably definitely isn't, but uh, yeah. And, and this is already setting up for this stuff too, right? Like, you know, all the New York Jets fans hate Adams and, oh, you're just after the money and blah, 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 no loyalty. And it's not hard to to fast, to imagine fast forwarding a year from now and, and starting to hear the same things about contract negotiations breaking down with Adams and because, you know, he's selfish or whatever. And you start to have all these same storylines come out, right? I don't know. You, you cannot have this whole rule where we are principled. There's a number. We set a number and if they, if they go over it, we won't meet it. Like we're going to hold that line. That's well and good. If you're not giving up draft capital to bring that person on in the first mm-hmm. place, exactly. you cannot do both. You, you cannot do both. They don't, it's oil and water as far as roster management. And really it's kind of what I've been saying the whole off season, at least to you guys, one of my issues right now with the Seahawks and I've, we've liked a lot of their moves individually is I just see a lack of vision and, in terms of team building and you guys talk about these that example right there that you guys just said in the last segment that's perfectly accurate like two years from now what's their plan on the defensive line who's still going to be here what's their plan on the offensive line it just looks like they're piecing this thing together year after year after year without any vision at all in this clowny thing the fact that they let him walk a year later for bargain basement price is just the, the perfect stamp of that whole thing and the defensive line two years from now Who's on that line? You probably couldn't name one player. So it, it's just, it's scary, man, because if you want to build a team, offensive and defensive line trench play is so important. And we don't know who they'll even have in a year. You know what really, bo- yeah, go ahead. Evan. You know what really bothers me about this whole conversation is yes, I, I understand the Seahawks can be super stubborn about they set a price, a value for a player, and they want to stick to it. The majority of the time, I actually think that's okay. Like, like you said, mm-hmm. Brian, when there's not draft capital involved, mm-hmm. but the problem is right now, the Seahawks have nine and a half million dollars just sitting there. It's not going to be used on anybody. Most likely barring some huge trade or some big signing or something like that. Are you, t- you, you just can't tell me that taking that $9.5 million 
which is doing absolutely nothing to make this team better right now and removing like a Jacob Hollister to add Clowney doesn't make this team better. You can't tell me it doesn't like, sure. He might have work ethic issues, whatever, but you can't tell me that team isn't better after, after out adding Clowney. You can't tell me having $9.5 million and Jacob Hollister just sitting there makes you a better team. It, tell me yeah, a I single player. Tell me a single player on the Seahawks defensive line, a single player that would require a double team at any point during this season. Well, do we really know? Without preseason games, we have no idea what they have been seeing. I mean, we get little reports here and there. So maybe someone has – I'm just saying it's not going to be clowny level, but we don't know that maybe people haven't improved. And that is the problem with this season is that we're all playing ghosts right now because we have no idea. We haven't seen these guys in action in any way, shape, or form. Now, are they clowny level? No, they're not. I'm just – I just don't think that we can say anything definitively because we haven't seen them play. Somebody would have had to take a pretty big step forward, though. To get I to, agree to get yeah. to that level. Yeah. I agree, but I'm just saying we don't truly know what's going on. Sure. Listen, here's that, the thing. Like, can we agree that that's it is? It's a big step. Unlikely. It's a big step. It's, it's unlikely step. that there's anyone on this line that would be doubled. Like, yeah, and Clowney absolutely would be. Sorry, Nathan, you were going to say something. Well, no, I was, I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, like, there's two things that's really frustrating about this. One is the the trade stuff that we just talked about, right? I mean. I'm I'm kind of with Evan on, you know, it's okay to be principled and it's okay to, you know, know the number for the players and, and say, hey, this is what we think you're worth and this is what we're going to pay you, right? The, what's really hard for me on this is that they have continually misjudged this in the trading phase, right? Where they have traded for guys where there was a disconnect on what they were willing to pay them and what they were going to expect, right? Or, or maybe who that player was, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what's hard for me here more than not being willing to pay Clowney, uh, especially with some of the contract rumors that he was asking for early on, right? Where- the other thing that's really hard is um, this is a team that, like, I, I, boy, you can get really excited about this team if you add Jadavian Clowney to it. Like, it's already a good team. I think it's probably already, mm-hmm. you know, going to be challenging for an NFC championship mm-hmm. game. But mm-hmm. suddenly you add Clowney in, and that's just like such a big step forward for a team that's. You know, if he you, plays. yeah, for a team that if it takes a big step forward, you're talking Super Bowl. And so that's what really hurts about this is that it's a team that's already so good and it could really put them in legit contender. Yes. Yes, Nathan. That is right. I agree. Yeah. I, I like the other part of this that, that's that's frustrating. And then I'm, I'm sure Dana's like, oh, my God, you guys are going to whine this whole time. And I am going to whine a little bit more because I'm pretty pissed. But um. <laughs> You know, when they announced the trade for Clowney, we were all very excited. And then I really was like, well, man, it sucks that it's Jacob Martin. Like that that's the part that hurts about this trade. It's mm-hmm. the only part. And everyone was like, Jacob Martin, what are you talking about? I liked Why, Martin. Why do you care about Jacob yeah. Martin? And I was like, because he showed he showed something as a rookie, as a pass rusher, and that's not mm-hmm. easy to find. He showed more the next year. And now mm-hmm. That guy would, I would argue, would be maybe the second best pass rusher on this team, edge rusher, probably at least the third best. And he would be making $440,000 a year or whatever it would be. And he'd have another year of club control. Um, This team would be better right now with Jacob Martin on it than it would be without him. So, like, that's another part of this that, you know, 
it's not even a draft pick, but you know, I just, I think that you have to take John Schneider to task on this. I think there's no other way than to say John Schneider has completely mismanaged the pass rush. And um, even if, I mean, I hope to God we like get career years, amazing years out of Irvin and Mayoa and Jaron Reed steps forward and Puna Ford is some great thing. And maybe DeMontre Moore comes back. Like there's some things that maybe like, I, I still believe what Nathan and I've said that I think the edge rushing is better than it was last year. I think it's better than it was last year. I'll stand by that. Do I think it's good though? No. I mean, that was like an F, you know, D minus pass rush last year. I would say now it's like a C plus C, C plus to a B. Yeah. I, I, B, I'm very B, optimistic. B is incredibly <laughs> generous. <laughs> incredibly generous i think we have very well be looking at this at the end of the season saying i cannot believe the seahawks went into the season with this defensive line i think walk through they have right now yes please do okay so at the five technique the position Clowney played last year they have rasheem green and lj collier so one of those guys is starting bunch of studs brand jackson's out for the season so those are the two guys at the edge, the Nick at the edge Leo spot that Cliff Averill and Chris Clemens played. They have Benson Mayo as their opening day starter. Bruce Irvin's gonna move to that spot or probably be an edge rusher. And they have Alton Robinson, fifth round rookie who's flashed, and they brought in Demontre Moore. That's it. That's their team. Daryl Taylor's out for six weeks. Maybe they bring in a veteran, but that's the unit. Uh, just it's hard to see those guys as a Super Bowl team, as good as the upgrades we've made elsewhere. That's that's scary to look at. I'm not going to lie. I don't feel – I just ring that out. It's scary. You're going to make Evan cry. Yeah, no, I, I, I just got I, – I, yes. First of all, yes, you are. But I just want to hit on one point that, Brian, I think you mentioned. Where the fuck is the pre-trade player research? There goes our ads. Thanks. Like – yeah, goodbye monetization. Okay, no, but seriously, like if there is such a wide contract value gap at the end of these trades when it comes to extension time, can John Schneider not like call up Bus Cook or <laughs> who used to be Clowney's agent? Can can he not like call up Clowney's agent before he makes the trade and is like, hey, let's just walk through some preliminary numbers if, if the year goes well, what, what are you and your client looking for? Like we should not be caught off guard by like a crazy salary difference in expectations. Right. It's just crazy. Evan, the scary thing about that is that literally happens in every single transaction. I was going to say, it probably a, does. How do you think a player signs an extension before a trade is completed? Yeah. This literally happens like with Jamal Adams, they agreed with his agent that he was going to play under his rookie deal. Like they literally speak to the agent in that scenario any single time any transaction is ever made well that's the assumption and if they i assume that they did do that then what changed like did they learn something additional about him in the past year that scared them off or like the only thing that it could be is if they just got really spooked by that sports hernia i and and he did have to have surgery for it and everything i mean i'm gonna uh, Go ahead. Finish your thought, Nathan. No, yeah, go ahead. I, I just have to read off again. These are the guys that were available going into free agency. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, let's talk about this. Hey, wasn't, I'm leaving the room. This wasn't a year where they didn't have 
tons of cap space and there weren't there it wasn't like there was like a couple of edge rushers or a couple of defensive linemen it was chock full i'm just going to read these quickly dante fowler jr uh three years 45 million 15 million a year mario addison 10 million a year jordan phillips 10 million a year Shaq Lawson, 10 million a year. Jamie Collins, 10 million a year. Carl Nassib, 8 million a year. Devin Kennard, 6.5 million. Rodney Gunter, 6 million. Where's my guy? Uh, <laughs> AJ Quinn. Klein, 6 million. million. AJ Ogba. Klein is not my guy, Brian. It's no, Quinn. Inside linebacker. Quinn. Robert Quinn. Robert, Robert Quinn. Quinn. I, I'm going to get back. I, I don't know. I'm just reading off these things. Oh. Uh, Everson Griffin, 6 million. Oh. Um, now let me, go hurts. To, let me just go to defensive line overall. Those were just some of the edge players. Um, DJ reader. He got 13 million a year. Uh, J- Javon Hargrave got 13 million a year. Oh, that one is a bummer. That makes Jordan, me want to puke. Michael Pierce got 9 million a year. Michael Brockers got 8 million a year. Um, Linval Joseph got eight and a half million a year. Ashawn Robinson got eight and a half million a year. Vernon Butler got seven and a half million a year. Quentin Jefferson got 6.75. Guys, like I could keep going. There are so many players that were available to make this team better. And we've got nine and a half million dollars sitting there not being spent. It is inexcusable. This has been completely mismanaged on the defensive line. And it, the, the frustrating part is they did so much else well. They cut Justin Britt. They, I think, made an amazing trade for Quentin Dunbar. That, mm-hmm. that worked was the best out. move, best move I, of the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think that they made some great moves, uh, you know, in the draft. I think that I, I'm high on Jordan Brooks. I think he has a potential to, to be a, a, a guy for them. I think they've got other players that could step up. And even give him credit with Marquise Blair, who seems like he's looking like he's going to oh, find God. a spot <laughs> at nickel, right? Evan's getting excited yeah, right now. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about Marquise Blair later. Oh, if it's a positive conversation, yes. Let's oh, hell yeah, that. it's a positive conversation. <laughs> I'm going to be talking some shit to the boys on this podcast <laughs> that have absolutely shat all over Marquise yeah, Blair. Oh, with absolutely no visual that. evidence. But No, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> but, I mean, in all of that, the Seahawks spent... $3 million on Benson Mayoa and they spent five and a half million dollars on Bruce Irvin. And you know, That's again, all. like those were good signings, mm-hmm. like, but, yes. but they're not, yes. they're not, they're, they're not a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. this feels like this was so close to being such an awesome off season and really putting together a team that you can just, you know, really believe has Super Bowl hopes and now it just feels that they're a little short and a lot of these smart fringy type things they did like Benson Mayoa and you know uh, it just feels I don't know it all feels a little less now and adding to it we talked about the game giving up a third to get Clowney and Martin on top of that after missing in free agency they had to give up another third to move up to get Daryl Taylor who there was prioritized as their best pass rusher in the draft and now they're without him too so great, yeah. I want to guess what great. PFF had, where, where, where Jacob Martin ranks uh, oh, among don't pass tell rushers us. in PFF. Lord. 
You don't need to know that. Yeah, like uh, Brian, you said he was their third. I think he'd be their best pass rusher. Mm, anybody I, want to throw out a number round table lightning round real quick? I think his pass rush productivity was like was like nine. Anyway, I think I think he's a top fifteen. Yeah, I yeah, he was eleven. He was fourteen. Oh god. Yeah. So you guys nailed it. So. Anyways, and, who cares about that? And it I wasn't really just like last year. He was pretty much replicated his rookie year. Yeah, I yeah, think like, it was great. If you I go back a season, kid. his his pass rush productivity was basically the same. So anyway, all right. So let's 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 transition. We can come back to this because I know we can just keep talking <laughs> about this. Let's let's talk about the roster as it stands. Um, let's talk about Michael Dixon. How does everyone feel about Michael Dixon? Let's spend about twenty minutes talking about him. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so. I, I will start by saying there's a couple guys on the defensive line that I and that are different than, than we talked about last time that I, I do feel like have some upside and I'm interested in. Um, one of them we've, we've mentioned here is Alton Robinson. Um, you've got Damian Lewis, who's like, that's the first guy he mentioned um, uh, when he asked, was asked about who stood out to him. Dwayne Brown mm-hmm. has mentioned him. You've got a number of folks that have mentioned him. And, and Damian Lewis used the word freaky. And you, you generally, when NFL athletes, even rookies, talk about guys being freaky, in the NFL, that's a pretty big statement. And the fact that a guard was talking about it means Alton Robinson might be playing some interior, at least swinging inside, which has been a thing that I've certainly, and I think we've all hit on, there's a weakness. There's their interior rush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other guy they signed is Demontre Moore, who he's had flashes and he had off-field issues and all sorts of things, but he was a guy I was super high on as like very quick get off um, can play Solid. edge, but mm-hmm. I think actually has a decent opportunity inside as well. So um, when he was with the Seahawks before he played some Leo, but he also played a defensive tackle um, a rush defensive tackle. So those are two guys that could be something that we don't know. Um, as, as Dana said, a sight unseen that, that could be uh, could be pluses. So I'm kind of curious for you guys. Let's talk about Alton Robbins first. Robinson for a second. Where are you guys? You know, without having seen anything, what are you kind of expecting? How do you think they're going to use him, um, Jeff? Let's start with you. Uh, I, and so it's funny with him. Initially, they had him as purely like, kind of like an undersized wheel. Actually, very comparable to like their plan was kind of similar to Martin's rookie year. He was a fifth round pick, same kind of player, <laughs> flashed on tape. He came into camp 10 pounds heavier than expected. Like the team did not plan this. He came in and he's been working out with Cliff Averill. And all of a sudden he maintained his explosion, putting on that weight. So he's the kind of player that they kind of, kind of move him all over the line. And based on the names we mentioned, so he's a guy who could play Leo could play five and could play inside. So not Michael Bennett asked, but I think he's a guy who can play all three spots. And I don't think the team planned on that. And with Taylor not able to play right now and more kind of as a hedge for that, I think they're going to move him around, especially that he's bigger and he's still maintaining that explosion. They don't really have a lot of freaky inside athletes. I think he could be an inside nickel rusher that maybe the team didn't even plan on having. Nathan, how about you? Do you have any uh, perspective on Alton Robinson? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if you're not going to, if as it goes on and he kind of settles in, if, if he's not going to play a lot of, um, like early downs based defense, uh, to give 
uh, Mayo a, a breather. I mean, Mayo might be their best pass rusher, mm-hmm. um, but I think he had very few snaps last year um, compared to guys like Irvin or Everson Griffin and some other guys. Yep. So, you know, depending on how he does, I mean, Mayo is like, <laughs> I mean, he's probably their best best defensive lineman, second best defensive lineman, maybe. <laughs> so, like. <laughs> Wait, was that maybe that's okay because maybe Mayoa is criminally underrated? There's maybe some arguments for that, uh, but you know, maybe Mayoa is going to need to be used a little sparingly, and so Robinson maybe is going to get a lot of run as effectively like a starter um, across from Machine Green, so they can use Mayoa a little bit more strategically on passing downs and stuff. I don't know if he can step up and and do that. That would be probably huge for them. Wait, is yeah. is that a controversial statement? What that Benson Mayoa is our best defensive line player him or reed well i, I think, think if you're reed. hoping for the best case for mayo is this like well, the most positive optimistic scenario for mayo is chris clemens they've had a very similar start to their careers they're the same age where clemens peaked in seattle mm-hmm. if you're hoping for any best case scenario it's obviously very unrealistic this kind of stuff doesn't happen very often but their careers are almost like identical to this point i don't see it Chris Clemens was incredible. Probably maybe the best trade this team ever made, but mm-hmm. that's the best case scenario. So can any of you, do any of you believe like the only actual defensive tackles, not just like swing, like, you know, ends that play defensive tackle in pass rush situations, but the only actual defensive tackles they've got in this team are Jaron Reed, Puna Ford and Brian Monet. That's it. Which makes me think they're getting another one somewhere. Right. That's my question. Dana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's two, there's still, and if for nothing else, I mean, even if you think, okay, they think Jaron Reed is it and, you know, Puna Ford, they're going to have monster years. So we don't need to, you know, go get a superstar, but you have to have some depth there and they have none right now. So, I mean, if nothing else, they're going to go and, and I think at least one more who, where, what, when, why trade free agent, I, I don't know, but one would assume that there would be, especially with the restructuring of Moore's contract, it makes me feel like that there's something sitting there. I, I want to say one thing about Alton Robinson before we move on from him, though. After the draft, I was contacted. Um, lots of people, you know, oh, do you like your draft? You don't. But I had a couple of people, They, I kept hearing over and over again who were like, you are so lucky to get that kid. Mm-hmm. One was Alton Robinson. The other one was DJ Dallas. And those are the two that I kept hearing over and over and over again. I know we'll get to running backs later, but... So that makes me, and these were from people who would know. And so that makes me get real excited about Robinson. What are we going to see out of him? And this was the crappy part of not having a preseason. We have no idea. Yeah, I'm excited about Robinson. I mean, his, mm-hmm. his, his profile, I think, even from the draft, it was like, okay, that guy has the body and the measurables of somebody that can be a, a difference maker. Maybe he would be someone that's a prospect and would grow in, but Sounds like he's he's ready to contribute Doing right good. now. Yeah. So th- and that's it's cool. it's just it's not a silver lining of the Darrell Taylor injury, but I think I think he's going to get yeah. extra snaps. Oh, you sure. know, yeah. to uh, prove himself. So I just get so nervous when when Evan starts mispronouncing Seahawks players' names. <laughs> it's, just, it's like a death sentence, and <laughs> I really don't want Darrell Taylor's. You know, Darryl. was Jermaine uh, Ifedi? really that promising oh my before God. i you ruined him so who knows i mean <laughs> we all hated fault. we all hated that draft <laughs> I don't pick hate, i don't hate him 
Um, let's go through the, some of the rest of the parts of this roster. So um, linebackers, uh, they keep Bobby. They keep Kate. They keep Bruce Irvin, um, uh, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, and Ben Burkirvan. They they cut Shaquem Griffin. Hmm. Um, Hopefully he ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, uh, Nathan, how do you feel about the linebackers as they stand right now? Um, good. Uh, those are, I mean, a mix of good players, good established players, you know, promising young players. Uh, I don't know how anyone could be uh, anything but, you know, excited about this linebacker group. Mm-hmm. Although from the look on your face, maybe <laughs> maybe you're about to tell me how you could be. Oh, not man. No, I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, let's be very, very honest. This is not a, just being in a bad mood thing. This is like. You can look at that linebacker crew and you can see it two ways. You can see Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, known quantities, all pro, pro bowl level guys. Uh, know what you're going to get from them. Bruce Irvin, also very projectable. He's been in the Sam position before. And then you got three young guys behind them that are learning and, you know, can, can come in. That's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is who can you count on as being a top shelf player? And Bobby Wagner slid last year. We've all talked about it. We did. There's there, there's no doubt that he was not the player last year right. the previous year. They played a different defense, though. Well, <laughs> sure, sure. There's, there's totally reasons. Bobby Wagner you can look at it. Old, it's a bad he's fit older. for Tampa 2 defense. Right? Yeah. Right. But he's older. And he took – he was definitely – it wasn't Tampa 2 <laughs> that caused him to be behind, you know, Tyler Higby in coverage. Well, isn't, isn't it? Yeah, that's the whole – the whole Tampa 2 is the inside <laughs> linebackers going backwards. Right. That's the whole – that's the whole scheme. This was chasing laterally, but in any event, yeah, that's the that's the problem. It's not built for. I think that there's a chance. I mean, KJ Wright was injured; he's in last year. I think you could look at it as Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright could be on the decline. I think it's it's very very possible that that's the case, and and Bruce Irvin certainly older. And then you've gotten three. Like I look at that and I say Jordan Brooks is the only guy that I'm like, okay, that guy's clearly on the upswing. You are you not excited about Cody Barton? Not he's particularly, no. I think he's a really? backup. I've never been. Brian is grumpy today. Holy Hold cow. up. <laughs> Cody Barton, like, didn't he kind of look promising in limited snaps last year? Like, oh. in the pre-season. very, very good in coverage. He looked very promising in coverage. Sure. He had issues tackling and doing some other things. <laughs> Which is an important part of the position. I get that. A big that. part, yeah. I just think, I think that's a little pessimistic, honestly. He had an amazing training camp. Like coaches were raving on him, loving on him. Like I, 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 I wouldn't count him out that quickly. I'm not counting him out, but Jordan Brooks is has clearly, of course, of course, le- leapt him, and he's this is Barton's second year. So I mean, oh, I'm not disagreeing which is with when that. Players like, make their biggest jump is the second year. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that stack rank. I, I'm just saying I think Cody Barton still has the potential to be a full time starter. Yeah, he's good. You know, the Bobby thing is interesting to me because uh, if you're telling me that he's not a Tampa two linebacker, then you're telling me that he's lost a step and isn't as good a player as he used to be. I mean, that dude used to chase wide receivers all the way downfield when he was in cover three. The big uh, weakness is four verts, right? And the reason that it was difficult to attack Seattle when they had that dominant defense is because Bobby could cover a slot receiver running avert mm-hmm. like and you know just running a go and yep. stick with that dude and so if bobby can't play tampa two now you're you can't say that bobby hasn't declined and bobby can't play tampa two because class like peak bobby would have been like perfect for uh 
Oh, dude, I can't remember the Tampa Bay coach anymore. Lovey, Lovey, Monty Kiffin. Well, Monty or Lovey, yeah, all those guys. And yeah, I'm not saying it's certain. I I just, I don't, I honestly don't think it's pessimistic. I think it's, I think it's, if you step back objectively and look at the team and the ages of these players and what they showed last year, I don't think you can count on Bobby and KJ being as good as they've been. I don't think that that's something you you can count on. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But let me give you an objective fact. Bobby mm. Wagner oh bet the Seahawks <laughs> over in contract negotiations. Oh, yeah. You cannot get out of that deal until 2022. So at least 2020, 2021 for sure. Or sorry, reverse those. 2020 for sure. 2021, 95%. You are not cutting Bobby Wagner. Maybe trading, but I... It, I don't see why you would cut Bobby Wagner anyway. Yeah, you can. Because well, who is it's, it's, him? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying they should. Martin would be the replacement. He's. I'm just saying, like, if he declines, like people are saying, then you're (laughs) fucked. Because you can't cut him. Okay, so let me let let me bring let let me bring a little rationale back here. Okay, I understand that when you look down the road a couple of years, yes, then you can start to question. I agree with KJ Wright. I think KJ Wright had an injury last year. I think he's had a hard time coming back from some of those injuries that he's had. And he is, you know, a year, is he a year or even two older than Bobby Wagner? So I think that I can see that a little bit with KJ. I I think there is some validity to the Tampa two thing because it was a complete change from what he had been. So we'll see if he can kind of get back to that. And yes, of course he's lost speed. Uh, That's just with age, but you're looking a gift horse in the mouth. People, he is still one of the best linebackers in the league. And, and so I can't even imagine that Seattle is already like, okay, how quick can we get out of this Bobby Wagner contract? It's no, just, no, I don't it, think that's illogical the case. to me. I don't think that's the case, but, but this isn't this guys, this is not, this is not some crazy like rage clowny rage filled take like <laughs> premium, a uh, profile focus, <laughs> focus doesn't care about any player over any other player. Their grades for Bobby Wagner in succession, 2016, 86.4. 2017, 91.4, mm-hmm. 2018, 91.7. And again, 80 and above Pro Bowl, 90 and above is elite, all pro, like best mm-hmm. around. 2019, he was 76.4. That's oh, a massive he- drop off, guys. Like, that's not like he was kind of like just barely, like he went from a 91 to an 87. He was not the same dominant player he was last year. Still and, a good player, just not yeah, Bobby Wagner. I'm saying he's bad or yeah. or or, or, a, yeah. or a problem. But you can also argue it's the first year and then you have the different scheme. I think that's you, you could argue that, and that's what I'm hoping. I think the truth is the and, and, and probably he, it could be age. It also could be that, to be quite honest with you, maybe he was keeping an eye on KJ and maybe had to do extra because if, you know what I mean. There's a million different reasons that sure. a player can have an off year. And then they turn yeah. around and bounce right back. Yeah. I don't expect him to get back up. I would be thrilled if he got back up to the elite level, but you know, back up into the, you know, pro bowl level, the eighties, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all with, without having the disaster of the line that he had in front of him last year. Do you know what I mean? Well. So I know you guys hate this line. I get that you guys hate this line, but I don't. I, I don't think that we can completely judge this line until we see them, and we I have agree. not seen them play. Well, the thing is, you saw last year just some of their weak. Like in football, one weakness can tear apart a whole defense. 
Mm-hmm. And I like New England lost a Super Bowl one year because they benched Malcolm Butler and they couldn't cover that mm-hmm. Nick Foles team. Just pulling out one guy. And you yep. saw like even last year, McDougald, how he played with Tedrick and without him. Mm-hmm. So I am interested to see Bobby this year. I think there is a lot of validity to his speed and his athleticism. I'm interested to see with like a more tight inning group around him with a secondary that's better, that he can play freer and play looser. Mm-hmm. But I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I think he'll go probably somewhere true. between the 74 and the 91. Because 2018, I think, was arguably the best year of Bobby's career. Mm-hmm. I think he, that's where he got his like 99 Madden rating. And that was a bad defense that he just had an insane year. So I'm more in wait and see mode because I think last year might have been a little bit of a blip, but yeah, he's going to start declining. No one could maintain that pace forever. Sure. So let's, let's talk then about the next part of the defense that I believe is everybody will feel good about Um, the defensive backfield. Um, You've got Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs at safety. You've got Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar at outside corners. You got Trey Flowers and Ugo Amadi as uh, as backups there. You got Marquise Blair as the starting nickel, um, and then you've got Lyndon Stevens, Nico Thorpe, and Leno Hill. So, how uh, how are you feeling about that secondary, Dana? I haven't felt this good about a secondary in a few <laughs> LOB years. I mean, literally, it has been. It just feels complete. It doesn't feel like there's a glaring hole. Like the last couple of years, we've always had this hole somewhere within it, you know, whether it be the other cornerback, whether it be, you know, in safety, whatever it may be. So I think that this is complete. And the, but the biggest thing is I, I feel really good about the backups because I'm always thinking of it's just one injury away. It's just one injury away. And the yeah. backups even make me feel good about this secondary. Yeah, it's interesting there. Um, Jeff, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and I think the backup safety is Lano Hill. Because I no, think Marquise Marquise Blair? Blair, I don't think they're treating Marquise Blair as a safety anymore. I think he's their nickel corner. And, and mm-hmm. people are asking, why did they keep Lano Hill? Are I think it's sure? because that's how they always keep four safeties. What's that? Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think the reason they have Ugo and even this Lyndon Stevens guy who might not last is mm-hmm. that... I would think Blair would become a starting safety if there was an injury. Really? They always, keep, they always keep four safeties. I'm not saying Blair can't play safety, but so you're saying if if one of the safeties got injured or they were even during the game, forget injury, they might just need to rotate players at some point. Mm-hmm. Or Ugo could play safety. Ugo could. He could. He hasn't, at least last year, like during the regular season, he was he was just a nickel. So I mean, Leno's a guy that started games for them last year, whether we liked it or not. I think he's their third safety. I think they've got Marquise Blair and they want to keep him at, at nickel. That's, that's my read of it. I see Nathan or, or Evan, you're, you're nodding your head. Anything Mar- Mar- Marquise Blair positive. I know you feel I was good. just going to say, I know <laughs> as they Wait, should, but this, like, isn't this positive. Yes. No, it totally is as they yeah. should like, yeah. okay, let me ask this question because I genuinely don't know the answer. Has he played like a single snap at safety in training camp this year yeah both his yes. interceptions in that mock game yep, jamal that's adams right sat out with the hand that's right so yes. you guys are wrong jamal adams sat out with the hand and who played safety it was marquis play you was. guys are wrong oh yeah <laughs> like, boom i forgot about that i forgot about that he's right interesting yeah so you think you think that what would happen in a regular season game is they would pull they would move two players it's just not typical of how how defensive play that they, they would take they're starting nickel 
And they'd move him to safety, and then they'd have a backup nickel corner. I think Blair would play safety and base, and I think he would play nickel and nickel. Nickel and nickel. Nickel and nickel. <laughs> yeah, so that, that makes sense. It, 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 but, yeah, I, th- I think in that case, we're both saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, uh, Nathan, how are you feeling about the secondary? Um, any surprises there for you in terms of keeps, like Lyndon Stevens, for example? Did you expect him to be on this roster? Yeah, I was a big Lyndon Stevens fan. I called that one from the very beginning. <laughs> he is a person whose name I've definitely heard before three seconds ago. Give us a breakdown on Lyndon Stevens' strengths and weaknesses. You know, real sea hockey type corner, you know? <laughs> uh quicker than fast uh really gritty yeah uh how's his likes to compete yeah he competes real hard um his big thing is lining up on the other side of the receiver and then trying to keep him from getting the ball Uh, that's what i've seen of anyways a lot of i want more player breakdowns from nathan that's the analysis we're here for yeah i think think lynn stevens will be cut the next signing they make Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, there are like even there's Leno a couple is, on there you can see. <laughs> a question mark, right? Yeah, yeah. if you're like yeah. you always have the bottom four like Luke Wilson and no, we have to keep Luke. Yeah, it's super surprising that they kept four tight ends. I don't, I didn't get that at all. Um, and then the other guys that were surprising keeps Freddie Swain. Yeah, um, we should we should talk about that one. Paul Richardson gets cut. I think Swain's just again there till Gordon's. Mm-hmm. He's the placeholder. Yeah, he'll play special teams maybe week one. Oral said, "Why do we think Paul Richardson was tried out, signed, and then cut within a week?" My theory. Yes, Josh Gordon became available. Any uh, any other theories? I've got one as well. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't. Uh, Pete was saying something about he just wasn't getting there. He just wasn't getting right, and I, I don't know if maybe he wasn't in great shape coming into camp and they just wanted to see if he would snap that. I don't know. I, I think the Gordon thing is probably right, but I don't know. it did seem very it cold. did look a little strange. Is it possible that they just wanted to get him into the facility and sort of familiarize the environment again in case they want to bring him back that could later, be. you know, and maybe mm-hmm. just very shallow observational yeah, thoughts from me, but I mean, you know, an injury could happen and sure. You know, and if, did you guys see Paul Richardson's press conference? I know Dana had mentioned she saw it as an introductory. It sounded like he took the off season and he had he had a baby, and so he had a family member was trying to get him to sign months ago, and he said no, like he didn't want to think about football. He might have come in and they might have got a look at him, and he kind of looked it's a little right. he looked a little disheveled. Like I don't know if that's the word when he did his mm-hmm. press conference. He looked a little yeah. He might have just come just in out and of just been in shape. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what that's what I think. And I put. hate to put that out there because, you know, maybe I, maybe he's in great shape. We don't know. But at the same time, you're right. There was just something off about it. And it, and it was strange it, in his press conference. I mean, it was he was you could tell he was kind of happy to be back, but not. I mean, it was just yeah, just strange. Advice, and yeah. maybe he maybe his head just wasn't in it. I mean, he got a 65 K signing bonus, so I'd be pretty Gosh, happy. Good week of work. I, I guess my theory on that is that they signed him being worried about Philip Dorsett's health and maybe even John Ursua's health mm. and that they got enough confidence in those two guys that they were like, yeah, see ya. I think that plus the Gordon 
change. I think that they, they just didn't feel the, the need to have him around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best, you know, there's so many good things to like about the receiver group. One of the great things about it is that Antonio Brown's not on that list. So Yay! You know, I think all of us can let's give credit for a move that they didn't make um, and, and bringing him around. Um, I, I know we've got, we probably have to wrap here in a little bit. I do want to talk about offensive line. And then I do want to talk about what is the strongest position group on this 53 man roster. Um, so think about that for a second. Let's talk offensive line and I'm going to read them off to you guys. They kept 10. They kept Dwayne Brown, Mikey Potty, Ethan Posick, Damian Lewis, Brandon Shell, BJ Finney, Cedric Ogbue. I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Jamarco Jones, Phil Haynes, and Jordan Simmons. Um, there's not really any surprises there. No surprises there, right? Those are all like known quantities, or at least you have a pretty good idea who they are. There is some concern that Cedric will be put on IR. There's at least some rumblings around the the uh, the reporter, the beat reporters, that he is injured, um, but we'll find out. And he's a swing tackle, right? Yeah, he's the guy that they think is going to play the George Fant role as well as like mm. the big tight end. He was uh, the Bengals guy, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. was a yeah. top twenty-five pick. Yeah. So, okay. so how do we feel about like that offensive line? It, it seems like Ethan Posick's going to be the starting center. Um, what? A, a, anything stand out for you guys on that line um, right now uh, compared to to? I mean, I think generally no surprises, but I'll give the quick high level observation. I'm super excited to see Damian Lewis start yeah. week one. Like he is a. He is the he seems like the opposite type of uh, you know draft profile that they that they've gone after in O line for like the past decade. So um, if they could finally you know draft like a day one strong contributor on the offensive line, I'd lose my shit. So super excited about him. Well, I'll say opposite of my take on at least the concern around Bobby Wagner. There's been a lot of concerns on this pod about Dwayne Brown and you know he's too old and he's gonna I don't have that concern about Dwayne Brown fact, not think, after finding I, I out he was be better this year yeah I well think he, he was, was injured all right. last season and didn't tell and they and he still played and so knowing that made me feel so much better about this season yeah Jeff you've talked Sorry. about that as well right like yeah I, I think I remember we all talked in the first game last year where we thought they'd kill the Bengals and they couldn't block them Dwayne Brown wasn't that good of a player last year and we found out later he was injured and George Fant came in and played in – he filled an ad pretty well when he had to. But with Dwayne Brown going, and we've seen it, offensive linemen, unlike linebacker with Bobby Wagner, you said they, they can age at that position and still maintain their play relatively. Like Andrew Whitworth, up before last go. season, had mm-hmm. really – he really stabilized that line. And I think just having healthy Dwayne Brown and a stable left tackle, you saw the jump they made in 2018 with him playing that well. I would, I would counter that by saying, so I agree with you, but I also believe left tackle is like probably priority number one for position to address in, in the oh, next 12 long months. Long term, it's – Yeah. So, so I'm back to – You really disagree? Before. Not you, priority one. I agree with you it's a priority and they've got it. Really? Who's more important? Really? Yeah. Who's yeah. more important? Line. Ooh, I, I go left. Really? Side. Yeah. No, you got to protect your franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think you can. I think, I think Dwayne Brown's fine. Unless, unless he's well, no, unless no, he talking is, about retiring. I, I'm not no, saying I think he'll retire in a year. 
That's hundred yeah. percent Dana. Mm-hmm. It's a I weird gut feeling. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be playing to like 38 or 39. Like I just want everyone <laughs> listening to get used to Dana and Evan agreeing. Like they just do it all <laughs> the time. It gets <laughs> so annoying. They just agree on everything. It happens so infrequently. <laughs> that is so fun. That's why I got so excited when she said it. I was like, let's go. <laughs> and, the, and the elephant in the room is the right tackle. I mean, yeah. is it, but we were talking about this on Twitter the other day. Like, are we all in agreement that anybody who expects like a really productive, solid season from Brandon Shell is setting themselves up for, for <laughs> um, sadness? If I guess. Brandon Shell is okay, I'm not even talking about good. If he is, mm-hmm. if he is like just except like, like Breno Giacomini level, yeah. like, right. you know, yes. just like passable right tackle. That It'll would be a be huge improvement. Um, 100%. Yeah. And it would shock me. Our expectations are so high. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> every year, the Seahawks, like, no. if they're just 15th best in the league, like, I'm, so, I'm so glad our bar is so high. Yeah. We have the same uh, conversation every single year. Every <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 19th best, they'll be fine. Hey, right. <laughs> they're actually cast. They're actually going big nickel. <laughs> they, they and we've are. been having that conversation too. So maybe this is the year. We just need to keep talking. Okay. okay. Oh, hear okay. All right. I know some folks have to have to go drink and be merry on their Saturday night. So so let's <laughs> let's um, let's do this quickly. Uh, we're gonna go round robin. We're gonna start with Dana. Um, oh. uh, so we're gonna go give me your strongest and your weakest position group on this roster. Hmm. Yeah, my strongest is kind of a toss-up between the wide receivers and and the secondary. I I think that I'm going to lean secondary because I happen to love defense over offense because I'm not really a big offensive fan. But um, I think that both are going to be – they're very good, very, very good. So I, I'm really excited with both of them. If I had to pick one, I'd pick the secondary. Um, weakest, I oh, – really, really, really irritates me to agree with all of you, but I think the defensive line is still probably our weakest issue. I don't think it's as bad as it was last year. I think we did get quite some improvement, but I still think that there's plenty of room. I don't know. Special teams. Special teams is a disaster. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm just kidding. How dare you disrespect Jason Myers? Jason Myers is pretty bad. Let's let's go to Nathan next. Uh, Strongest unit and weakest unit. Uh, Strongest would be quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty easy. Well, that doesn't even count. Like you can't. Like oh, of course. Yeah, let's let's Do take out quarterback. That's okay. like the easiest. All right. Okay. Uh, so proud of himself. It's bro. Russell. Look how proud he is. <laughs> I nailed it. I nailed the plan. Look, I'm just saying when you've got when you've got the best player and you know at his position at one position group, that's probably your strongest. You know when they say that guy, it's always Nathan who's that guy. <laughs> I love it. Always. <laughs> probably <Yes>. not wrong. <laughs> uh, all right, and then worst position group. Um, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to. You're gonna still have to name a strongest. We're gonna. Yeah, you can't. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Wide receiver. It's hard to go Mm -hmm. different than wide receiver. um, Defensive line. I mean, their secondary is very strong. Uh, Obviously, uh, that that might be better than. Pick one. Which is your strongest? 
hard. They're both good. Yeah. I'm going to go. Running back. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to say secondary is their strongest um, group. If I, if I can throw the whole secondary into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And your weakest is defensive line. That, that we said. Yeah. It's got to be right. I'm trying to think of what else it might be, but it's got to be defensive line. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if you want to break it down to like cornerback, it's, it's camp because they work as a unit. So it has yeah. To be yeah. 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 Uh, Jeff, how about you? I'll go a little more specific. Um, I'll go weakest position group was defensive tackle. Yeah. I, I talk about this all the time with the roster last year. For the Jenga theory, you pull one guy out, what happens? And if Jaron Reed or Puna Four get injured, not only does Brian Monet or Money or whatever his <laughs> name is become the full-time starter, they don't have a backup behind them, and they're going to have to plug someone off the practice squad. So that position group, Jaron Reed getting big money with a one one good year, three average years, that position, that's Puna Four, we is a guy we like, but that has a ton of red flags. That spot is littered with red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, the strength of the, the team to me, I'm going to go, I'm going to go wide receiver for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I think we've gone this whole podcast without even mentioning DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I think within, by the end of the season, if things go well, Ty, DK Metcalf could be one of the like mm-hmm. all pro type receivers in this league. And hear that Nathan Calvin Johnson ask Tyler Lockett is so underrated, even by us, we barely talk about him because of DK. And the fact that they now have depth in this spot, because last year you saw mm-hmm. when one of them got hurt. I mentioned right. that's how I evaluate positions. If one guy gets hurt, who comes in? And mm-hmm. I think having Gordon and having Dorsett and you, if Ursua is something and David Moore is still capable in spots. He has flashes. Richardson yeah. could come back after week one when salaries aren't guaranteed anymore or if he gets in shape or whatever. They're a lot deeper than they were in the past years. We were debating whether this was their best receiving group of this whole era mm-hmm. and Russell so important to their success. So having only two thousand yard guys plus much better depth. And if Josh Gordon does play 13, 14 games, to me, that's the best spot of the team. Uh, that's their biggest strength on the team for sure. All right, I Evan. Have, I have a different take on the strongest group than all of you guys. And I'm surprised you guys didn't say linebacker. Like I, I almost went uh, secondary, but I feel like, I feel like the linebacker group has better depth than um that's fair the secondary now i would probably call it a wash in terms of like starter level Mm. secondary might have the edge in terms of pure Mm -hmm. starters but if you consider the entire group like depth too i think the linebacker group has it that's fair that's interesting i can see that you've got the four starters for the secondary i think you can make a case all of them are pro bowl level or above Yes. Mm-hmm. So if the question was which position group has the best starters, I would mm-hmm. go secondary. But you like overall one to one to end. I mean, like, like if, the linebackers get better. If Dunbar or Shaquille Griffin goes down, you got, you Trey, got Trey Flowers, Flowers. which mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you can't like I feel better about Jordan Brooks stepping in than I do Trey Flowers stepping in. Really? Does that I make sense? That. I agree. Wait, wait, wait. That's an interesting question. If if uh, Quill goes down tomorrow, is it Trey Flowers that plays? Heck, you do. Okay, knock, knocking on all the wood in, in the uh, world. Crossed, but uh, yeah. heaven forbid, uh, of course, it will never happen. Uh, would it be Flowers coming into play or would it be Blair sliding over? I don't think they oh. would move Blair. 
They better not boot move Blair. They better not. <laughs> Blowing my mind. Or what? Like, nah, well, be because we all, we all yeah. had a lot of skepticism of Blair as a nickel corner. Not necessarily as a corner. All of us? All of us? Well, all right. You are no, irrational about Marquise Blair. <laughs> you spent you an entire year believing that he'd be I'm a good keep, safety. I'm and just keeping you immediately all... transferred that to cornerback like nothing had safety. happened. Like he didn't, like he wasn't incapable yeah, of playing about. safety and they don't play him there anymore. Uh, but I mean, really though, the concern with Blair was at nickel was his body type, which is much more suited for boundary corners. So uh, I, I wonder what they would actually do in that situation. I think it's a really interesting question, Nathan. Yeah. Like, I, I it, it, like, I admit my mind has not even adapted to thinking about him as a cornerback yet. Like, I have, I still have to see it. Like, it's so weird to me. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just say really quickly, um, the groups that are in contention for me that I think, like, outside of quarterback, but I think are all really strong. I think tight end is really strong, one to four. I think wide receiver is really strong. I think running back is really strong. I think. We should have a good uh, offense. <laughs> backs are really strong. Yeah, good point. Like, yeah. so I, I think the nice thing is that there's a few different groups that you could say are pretty strong mm -hmm. in, and, you know, in the roster. Um, I would go with, uh, I would go with receiver just because I think that you have a potential to have maybe the best receiver or one of the top five receivers like. in the game. Like I, I think DK has a chance to really mm -hmm. become a dominant force. Um, Jamal, I think on the on the defensive backsides in the same situation, he's actually already there. But um, I'll go with receiver, and then uh, weakest, you know, defensive line. I think it's 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 just not mm -hmm. even a question. So, so um, I ask, I want to clarify that something. we know of yes. that we know of. We don't I just want to clarify yet. something though. So we all basically agree that their top, their best two position groups are quarterback and wide receiver. And we, we don't think this team should be passing like 20% more than it does. I no? am not getting into this with you people. <laughs> <laughs> Take that ugly shirt off. Well, so, oh so here's, here's the, here's the counter to your counter. We all, is, we all know that running doesn't I matter. Thought, I mean, nobody I even Pete tried Carroll, to slip running back into the conversation. I thought Pete Carroll hated <laughs> Russell Wilson and never wanted to give him any weapons to throw to. So, That's you know, correct. If they'll ask backwards into DK Metcalf. I don't know if we're going to give him a lot of credit for that. You're right about that one. <laughs> I mean, you are. Not, we fight about this in the chat. Round. <laughs> um, anyway, so so yes, the, the Pete Carroll and John Schneider have done a good job of surrounding Russell with talent. So, on You're right. so uh, Brian, I want to get you on the record. Oh, Lord. Brian, I want to get you on the record. <laughs> yes. yes or no question. Let Russ cook. The Seahawks should pass more often. Yes. Let Russ Not in every cook. situation. Let Russ cook. Yes or no, Brian? Yes I'm a or no? Seahawks fan. I am not going to make it about the player. Brian? Brian. Oh. Brian. Let I've Russ been cook. Over this with you. Yes or no? Yes or we no? We about this all the time. If that's the if that's the question. But, but hold up. Saying no. let, let Russ cook does not mean don't play better defense. It's not it's not like only let Russ cook. It's not like it's, well, you know, it's like the whole the whole movement is a bunch exactly. of you fanatics who think that the whole point of the game is to get Russ as emphasized as possible. It is not about Russell Wilson. It's about the Seahawks winning. And I'll tell you this. But the best way for the Seahawks oh, to win oh, is to use their corner, most important position. Oh. Answer, little one. But just hold on. So, so if Russell Wilson passed 40 times a game and the Seahawks scored three more points a game, let me just finish. 
versus this defense holding teams to 20 one less, one less field being goal. passing the same amount as he does right now. The answer to which team would be better is the latter the defense mm-hmm. that would be a better team. And so you're not going to get me to say the whole thing is to let Russ. I agree that that's something they could do that takes mm-hmm. no talent. They just need to make a decision. And I hundred percent right. think they should be emphasizing their strengths more on offense. But this whole idea, and you cannot tell me the way it comes across on Twitter, (laughs) that it's not just as simple as if we just let Russ cook. Every time, let him pass the damn ball. Every single time. That's a horseshit. I just want to make sure everybody understands Brian hates Russell Wilson. That's what we just learned. (laughs) That's the takeaway. I just want to make sure that's on the record here. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So – Yes, they should You're pass more. Yes, they should take advantage of their, their best player more than they do. And Brian, you know I love fucking with you. I'm sorry. I, I had to. Well, you know I love you. I just I just had to poke it a little. Uh, just sign thing. Clowney, goddammit. They might. They might still. We still don't know if he has yeah, I know. I've been, full- I, look, you guys are only so interesting. I've been refreshing Twitter this entire time. <laughs> so let's be honest. I just will say that, that all of the ESPN... All the ESPN folks are are running with this. Like the main site, the main account Schefter tweeted it out. Is. Schefter is yeah. So they're all they're they're all running off of Diana's report, but they must be confident. Yeah, but why going. wouldn't they? That's the way press works. They're gonna get clicks, right. and then they can go, "Oh, there. we're so surprised!" And yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Like it could happen, but like when was the last time that ESPN account tweeted something out that wasn't? You know, if, if the Titans really did play hardball and got clowny, it is a direct result of that AFC championship game last year and knowing that they just needed someone to be able to get after Patrick Mahomes. And if they feel like they can get back there and that that's going to be who they're going against, that'll be the direct result. Just oh, like you, I said, if the- I'm going to get spun up again, Dana, because if they I'm think sorry, clowny, darling. I'm if sorry. They think, <laughs> if they think clowny is their answer, they're so wrong. Like, well, then why is he our answer? Because he Thank absolutely <laughs> would be. He's a there's a clowny size hole on this defense line the titans Titans are not in tennessee too don't have russell wilson they do not have they yeah so they don't don't they've got they've got freaking ryan Tannehill. they are not a jamie clowny away from competing so anyway they did pretty well last year uh, take a breath have a cocktail you'll be all yes yes all right all right well we're gonna end it there um we'll certainly Certainly have more to talk about. Obviously, uh, a few opinions to be uh, shared on the show. Um, all in good fun. Um, please, if you haven't already, click subscribe. Click the little bell to get notified. Um, uh, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. Um, or come over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up. Get into the Slack uh, channel. Happy to chat with you all there and uh, support great causes. Um, go out and have a Burger Master Burger, for God's sakes. They're a sponsor, and uh, it's a great time to go do that. So um, with all that, keep an eye out. We have some things planned for next week that are going to be pretty cool. Uh, don't want to oversell until we actually get them nailed down, but they're, they're going to be pretty fun. <laughs> um, I will give you one hint. Uh, baseball bats might be involved. So. <laughs> uh all right that's a great hint (laughs) go hawks and uh keep keep close eye we will talk to you soon